And let me invite Andrew up to join me. Before we hear from him, and as we think about, as he helps us think about how we can use our everyday conversations with one another uh, to achieve God's purposes, we're going to get to know Andrew a little bit and find out a little bit of what he does now and what he has done previously. Um, so, Andrew, pre uh, being called by God to ministry, what did life look like for you? Um, well, immediately before training in ministry, I was a doctor of medicine, um, and I had been wondering since just before I qualified whether I would be spending all my life doing that. And so, um, in, fairly soon after qualification, I began to sort of twin track. I began exploring ministry training, and I never really advanced beyond the very lowest ranks of the medical profession. Um, and eventually, after 10 years as a very junior doctor indeed, um, I, I gave that in. I pat that in. And gave that in to head into ministry. What did ministry look like initially? Well, um, by then, I'd, I mean, I actually headed to Oak Hill, which is where I first met Tom as a little boy on his, fa- <laughs> on his, on his father's knee and at the top of Farm Lane, just around the corner from where I now live. And um, Tom is always very sporty. It won't surprise you to know. But um, uh, I studied there for three years, and then I had 15 years in ministry in southwest London, um, in Kingston-upon-Thames, very beautiful town, and then uh, five years in Wimbledon, um, before God moved me back to Oak Hill. And what does that look like then, having moved out of everyday kind of church ministry yeah. to Oak Hill? I think the first thing I would say, and, and I was explaining this to my son yesterday, who asked me a very searching question, my job currently is easier than my job was as a full-time pastor. Um, there is something about the responsibility that a, a pastor bears that I'm so glad that God is not asking me to bear at the moment. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, uh, essentially, my job is training vicars and training ministers for churches in, in, in other churches too, not, not just the Church of England, um, to do the, um, the final bit, if you like, of... of ministry sometimes gets contracted down to Bible teaching. And my job at Oak Hill is to help people take all of the stuff that they're learning about the Bible and Christian doctrine, which is so important, and do that last step which connects it up with people's real lives so that um, the Bible makes as much sense as it can in the realities of what we're going through day by day by day. So um, I hope, as a result of my being there, when Tom preaches, um, he will be a little bit closer to your real lives as he speaks than you would otherwise have been. And you'll have to tell me and tell him how that's going. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, and I guess within that, you say you don't do the everyday minister role, but part of your role is pastoral care of students yes, it is. So at Oak Hill. That's right. I teach pastoral ministry, which is, which is um, connecting the Bible up with people, especially in ordinary conversation rather than in sermons. And... Um, I oversee pastoral care for students and their families, uh, which is a great job. And I've been saying consistently, and I still maintain to this day, at the moment, I cannot think of a job anywhere in the world I'd rather be doing than the one God has me in right now, which is an amazing privilege. And and having spent part of my training at Oak Hill, not just growing up at Oak Hill, um, (laughs) under lockdown restrictions, experienced firsthand how much Andrew did in thinking through, in helping the college (laughs) work out what the restrictions were at that point, what that looks like, whilst also providing pastoral care every day to students and families. And for Rosie as well, my wife, my wife experiencing firsthand from Hillary uh, pastoral care as well. So well, we've certainly appreciated you and Hillary and know many students do. Um, coupled with Oak Hill, you're also involved with uh, BC UK yeah. a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about what that is, what that looks like. Biblical Counselling UK, BC UK, is aimed at helping the church grow that, that uh, key ability to, to connect the Bible with real life, really. And um, we're called Biblical Counselling. It really could be Biblical Conversation, the kind of stuff we're going to be thinking about tonight. I help to teach a certificate course, which people can do a module at a time, a term at a time. It's, it takes about a day's study a week. And then they come to Oak Hill, if Oak Hill is within reach, and do some seminars with us. Um, and um, uh, that's been a, a lovely thing to, to be involved with over the years. Um, it really does feel like churches like St. Mary's and, and others are seeing the value of having people who've given significant amount of time to studying, how really to come alongside one another. Um, so I imagine in some sense I'm 
you know, talking to the choir tonight, preaching to the choir, because I think it's something that, that um, is already, you know, we're already aware of the importance of and already is beginning to grow in, in churches up and down the country. It's an exciting, exciting mm. thing to be involved with. Great. And it's great to have you with us this evening. Um, hopefully you have a handout on your table, which will help you as Andrew shares with us. Um, as always, with Equip, there'll be a chance for Q&A later on in the evening, so do uh, head on to the pigeonhole link if you've got questions at any point and we'll quiz Andrew towards the end of the evening. Why don't I pray for us, and then I'll hand over to Andrew. Father God, thank you that as you use your church, you want to use your people to achieve your purposes. Uh, Lord, that is a wonderful privilege and responsibility, and so we want to think about what that looks like for us in our everyday conversations with one another. So please be with Andrew as he shares. Please be with us as we listen and take part and interact. Please change us as a result of this evening and help us as a church, as your church, to be pastorally looking out for one another and helping each other to grow that little bit more like Jesus every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for your, wel- that you're welcome. It is absolutely lovely to be here. I'm so, I'm so glad to have uh, made it safely down the M3. Um, and I want us to begin, actually, not on the M3. I'd love us to begin uh, on a train. So um, I'd love to um, see what I'm reading, so I'd better put my glasses on. Um, I, want to, um, I want you to imagine that um, you're on a train on the way up to London. And um, uh, I don't know if that's a journey you've done recently, um, but you've decided to head up to London for something really, really important. It's a friend's birthday, and they really wanted to meet up in the centre of London, um, and you're going to meet up um, for drinks and a show. And you've been looking forward to this all day. You haven't seen this person for a very long time. Um, In fact, you've heard that this friend has recently become a Christian, so you're really eager to catch up with everything that's been going on in their life. Uh, You were a little bit late to the station, Basingstoke Station, I imagine. Um, Just before leaving the house, you got a phone call Uh, from a dear member of your family, um, an aunt. And it was going to be just a quick one, dear. Um, And you answered out of a desire to honour her, and as a result, you just missed the train that you intended to get. However, uh, the next train comes along quite quickly, and it seems that delay will be of little confidence. You wisely built in a bit of extra time to your journey. Until that is, the train slows just the wrong side of Clapham Junction and drifts gently to a halt. It creaks and chunters to itself occasionally, but it goes nowhere... And after a short time, the guard politely asks for your attention over the intercom and announces that you are currently stationary. Um, (laughs) And that at this time, he's not sure why that is. He will be getting back to you once he has some more information. You look at your watch a little anxiously. There had been some slack in your travel timetable. That was before you missed the train. Now there is very little slack. You've promised your friends that you will be there 10 minutes before the person whose birthday it is arrives so that you can all surprise her. If this train sits here much longer, you won't be there before her at all. And you also remember that the show you were all going to is a show that you booked all the tickets for and you've got all the tickets with you in your pocket. So no one can get in without you. You try to call one of the party whose number you have, but they don't answer their phone. And 25 minutes later, after several more vague references to a fault now rectified, the train begins to move. I mean, frankly, you could walk more quickly. A glance at your watch confirms that this evening's performance will begin in approximately 20 minutes. With a bit of luck, you might just make it, although there's no hope of joining in with the drinks. And as you approach your destination, you're one of several passengers who is champing at the bit. An older lady with a shopping trolley occupies most of the door space as you move towards it. She seems upset by the delay and disinclined to stand back to let any faster occupants of the carriage be on their way first. At the ticket barrier, one of the gates is out of action, funneling you down to just two lanes, and the person in front of you has lost his ticket. (laughs) He rifles through his wallet, he finds a supermarket receipt, he finds a store loyalty card he didn't know he was carrying, he finds last week's ticket, and you don't mean to watch, but you are transfixed by the search until he discovers it was in his pocket all along. What I'd love you to do on your tables as you're able to chat, and and perhaps it works well as a whole table, perhaps you want to split into a couple of groups, whatever works for you. How are you feeling right now on this journey? (laughs) What are you thinking about? Um, If you're feeling anxious, what are you anxious about? If you're cross, who are you cross with? If you're despairing, 
what hope do you feel has faded? Since you're letting others down, how do you think they will feel about you, and how does that affect how you feel? So just spend a couple of minutes chatting on your tables about how you're feeling right now. Your conversation there. Um, and there is, there is someone with a mic. I wonder if anyone's willing just to share a little bit so we can get a sense of, of the range of emotions that uh, are stirred by that in, uh, as we reflected on our tables. Anyone willing just to share something of what, what the conversation was like on your table about this train journey? It doesn't have to be your own. You can say what someone else said, if you like. Yeah, there, there, there's certainly very great enthusiasm for sharing. Okay. <laughs> we felt we might be a little bit angry, yeah. and yeah, we we did. So it did actually get to the point where we were suggesting pushing the old lady out of the, tr the train. <laughs> so we're kind of going murderous. Okay. Thank you so Don't, much for your honesty. We didn't really mean it. I promise. Okay. We were joking. I was about to say, Tom, it's clear there's some work for you to do here, but um, <laughs> thank you very much for that. But anger, even if the outcome is jokey, something you would never actually contemplate. When, when we feel anger in that kind of situation, we do sometimes get a little bit closer to the person. We kind of bunch up behind them, try and put pressure on them, don't we? Not literally, but, you know, please hurry up. Yes. What, was there a, another contribution over here? Quite frankly, I'm too upset to talk about it. Right. <laughs> um, thank you. Well, it would, be nice to hear, it would be nice to hear more from all of us, but I, I, one certainly picks up from the tone of conversation that there was, there was some emotions being stirred by this. And I want to give you the next little frame of the story. As you pass the ticket barrier finally, you bump into a good friend from church. She is in tears. And you can immediately guess why, because you had a long talk on Sunday about the new man in her life who had just invited her on their first date. This must be it. She's been excited about the romantic possibilities ahead, but her phone battery died, so is imagining that after this horrendous delay, for she was on the same train as you, he will have long since given up waiting for her. Her mascara, of which there is plenty, is clearly not waterproof. <laughs> she looks a mess, but she might not be aware of it. She latches onto you with a rather gothic look of panic and anger. Why did this have to happen now? Why would God do that? And the thing I want us to focus on, really, is the amazing potential for what you might say next. God, in his providence, um, really loved your friend. And he loved her so much that he kept her from meeting this man. And he loved her so much that he didn't just do that with um, her to land in central London on her own. But he arranged for you to be there on that train, to be her friend, to hear her question, and to say something meaningful to her. Something that would transform her experience of this very difficult part of her life. And, of course, I made that whole scenario up. Um, uh, but I didn't make up the character of God. I didn't make up the sovereign nature of God, who arranges things to fulfill his purposes, and who has an extraordinary purpose for very ordinary words, the words that come out of our mouths. I'd love it if we could look, please, at Ephesians. Could we, could we look at Ephesians? I, I've, I've put some verses there, actually, on your handout. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic letter, um, one that I've loved more and more as I've got to know it, um, for the scale that it, that it, uh, that it draws on. Um, to read the book of Ephesians, you know why God made the universe, you know why everything exists. You, you know why you exist. You know why every person you'll ever meet exists. You know what God is about when he brought it into existence. Um, he made it for the praise of his glory. And you learn in chapter 1, verse 21, that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. So Ephesians tells you that the reason why 
God raised Jesus from the dead and sat him at his right hand in heaven is for you. And um, you discover in, um, a little bit later on in chapter 3 that behind that intention was that through the church, that's you and me, at least it is in, in Basingstoke tonight, that's you and me, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God has an eternal purpose that he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And his desire is that now through the church, his wisdom, his brilliance, his genius in organizing these things away should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, to everybody that is watching, to see what, what is going to become of God's plan. What's going to become of God's plan to set Jesus Christ over everything and make him the ruler of everything that exists. And that question is going to be answered now through what goes on in the life of the church. What happens now through what goes on in the church is going to bring glory to God as whoever is interested enough to be watching in the heavenly realms, the rulers and authorities and all those who, who God has created, who, who may now live as his enemies are going to watch what God is doing in the church and say, wow, that God is amazing. It's working. And because there's such a big deal here, because it, it's such a, a, you know, that's only the first three chapters of Ephesians, and as he begins chapter four, um, he, he writes this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So God has made Jesus Christ Lord over everything for the church and through the church, he's going to show how brilliant it is that he's made Jesus Lord over everything. And that will be shown as you and I are completely humble and gentle, are patient, bearing with one another in love. It'll happen as you and I begin to respond differently to being held up on a train. It'll happen as you and I, um, instead of finding reasons to push against people and leave people to one side to fend for themselves while we pursue our own ends. As instead, verse 3, we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body. As we, we, we care for one another as if they were parts of our body, because they are, because there's only one body. So there's an amazing vision here for what church can be, that our relationships with one another demonstrating the genius of God's plan to put Jesus in charge will demonstrate that his plan is fantastic and that it works. He's put Jesus in charge of us so that as we live out the calling he's given us in our relationships with one another, he is glorified. And the next question is, well, how is that going to happen? And the very next verses in chapter 4 explain how that's going to happen, and, it, and I'll pick it up from verse 7. I mean, I, this may well be a, a passage that you know and love um, as well as I do, but um, let me read it from verse 7. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So he's just said that there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, there's one, there's one church, and that's why we must be united. But it's now he's saying that we're all different. To each one of us, grace has been given differently as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. In other words, Jesus came down to earth and was raised again. And in that process, he earned the right to distribute gifts to the members of his church. So, verse 11, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I wonder if you can see from those verses that God has very big plans for our conversations. See, in many, in many churches, the assumption is that the ministry that grows the church is the ministry that happens from a lectern like this or from a pulpit on a Sunday. And that the impact of hearing God's preached word is all it takes for people to grow to become like Christ. And that means the emphasis is on being in church and listening to the sermon and going home afterwards so that you can come back again next week. But what this precious part of Ephesians is saying is that the ministry that grows the church begins with the work of the apostles and prophets writing Scripture, the evangelists, pastors and teachers teaching Scripture... But that is only an enabling ministry that enables the ministry that really grows the church. You see it there in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. And you see it too in verse 12, that the work of the pastors and teachers is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's the service we do for each other that builds up the church. It's the speaking we do to each other that enables us to grow, as God intends, in every respect, into the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, that does not mean, wonderfully, it does not mean that you and I have suddenly got to become absolutely brilliantly persuasive conversationalists so that every one of our conversations sounds a little bit like one of the more spectacular Sunday sermons. No, it's much more ordinary and much more wonderful than that. It means that God intends that you and I can have conversations with each other, which over the years that we live alongside each other, those conversations are what he uses to make us like Jesus. And I find that a, still a, a spectacular and wonderfully exciting thought. The words that you can say when you next get a chance to talk to the person you're sitting next to. Don't have, they're not just words, and they're not just words of love and kindness and, and, and good fun and, and, and sort of horizontal human relationship, which is so precious. They're words that can be so much more. The words that you say to your neighbor can be words that are the words that grow them to become like Jesus. Now, I think that's pretty obvious and pretty glorious there in, in Ephesians, but um, just in case you think there, must be, there might be something wrong with, with that, and it's only one letter in the Bible, I want to show you another letter that, that makes a similar point in different ways. I, I want to show you a couple of verses in Hebrews. Um, Hebrews, you know, that, that it's, it's written to um, Christian people who are finding it very difficult to consider carrying on as Christians because it's jolly hard to live as Christians, and they're wondering if it won't be easier for them more... Um, to go back to being Jewish. I mean, they might as well, because it's the same God, isn't it? Obviously, the same God. And so, if it's, if it's easier to live out a relationship with that God without being a Christian, then, then why, not, why not turn back? And the, the letter is saying, since that God is totally revealed in Jesus, who is the perfection of all of God's plans, you can't turn away from Jesus without turning away from God too. And so, in as early as chapter 3, he's, he's saying what the implication of that is for the, for the way we talk to each other. He, he, he's quoted from one of the Psalms there, but let me pick it up at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now you could, if you were just reading that verse 12, you could think that what that means is that each of us is supposed to look inside ourselves and examine our hearts and make sure that 
me myself doesn't have a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But verse 13 makes that impossible. So see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What is it that will keep the Hebrew Christians from turning away from the living God? It is the conversations they will have with each other that persuade, in which they persuade each other not to be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So what that means is that I need you to talk to me, and I need the members of my church to talk to me as often as we can, on as many of the days that God gives us possible, so that I won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, so that I won't think that it actually can be quite tough being a Christian. Maybe it's just easier not to try. Has that thought ever crossed your mind? The conversation that you'll have with other Christians is part of what God intends to be the means by which you don't, in the end, turn away from Jesus. Or look again at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, where he's been explaining in great, beautiful detail how this extraordinary Jesus is the only reason why we have a relationship with God in the end. It was the thing that Judaism pointed to, but you can't turn away from Jesus and have a relationship with God because he is the priest who makes it possible for us to even relate to God at all. And verse 19, he kind of summarizes that and gives a clear implication. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So, Jesus has opened the way for us to go into the most holy place. It was Aaron could do that one day, one day a year, the high priest only, but now all of us, because of Jesus, all of us can go into the most holy place and pray about anything whenever we want. Because we have confidence about that, let's keep doing it. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So you see, the writer here sees there's a particular value in the words we say to each other, because they'll help me keep going with love and good deeds. If I don't stop meeting with you, the things you can say to me will encourage me that Jesus is coming back one day. And it's absolutely worth staying in his people, however hard it gets. So, as, long as, as often as you can, find ways of encouraging each other to keep going in this hard Christian life. So from Ephesians and from Hebrews, you see that God has built the church so that it needs more than one person speaking from a place like this, telling us God's word, though we cannot have a church without that. And if the person here stops teaching God's word, then swap them for someone who will teach God's word, because we cannot live without it. But part of what that ministry is intended to do is to tell us and help us work out what are the things we'll say to each other when we've gone away from here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening, when we've, when we've left our Wednesday evening equip session, what really matters is what we'll be saying to one another in the days that follow. So I've got some things for you to uh, just chat about on your tables as we kind of process that thought. How do you feel? What, what, who does the ministry that... Uh, well, how did I put it on the handout? Let me just see. What, that's right. Who do you expect to do the ministry that grows this church. I'd love you to talk about that. Who do you expect to do the ministry that grows this church? And as you discuss the answer we've looked at now, um, does that feel like a very familiar answer to you? Uh, does it feel like a, um, a, a slightly fresh angle on something? How, how, how does that land with you? Um, you know, how do you feel about the idea that God is going to use your words to help your neighbor grow up in Christ? Can't just rely on me or Tom or Rob, or whoever God gives that ministry to, how do you feel about God using your words to help your neighbor grow? Um, and, um, and then a second question, how do you feel about God using your words to help your neighbor grow up in Christ? So who do you expect to do the ministry that grows this church? How do you feel about God using your words to help your neighbor 
grow up in Christ. Just have a few minutes uh, chatting about that in your groups. Okay, let me, uh, let me break into your conversations if I can. And we're, we're heading towards our, our, our tea break. But I wonder if I could just get a little bit of feedback from your tables just to know how this is, is landing with you. Thank you so much for the microphone there. Could you just stick a hand in the air and uh, we can bring the mic around? Um, how do you feel about the idea that your words are going to be used by God to help your neighbor grow in Christ? Thank you. Thanks for kicking us off. Uh, I was... I just thought it was uh, quite daunting, I suppose, because um, I was saying people people remember what I what I say better than I do a lot of the time. So there's a sort of you know people go, oh, do you remember me saying that? And then and then that makes you think, oh, if you remember me saying that, then you remember all the the absolute rubbish I've said as well. <laughs> um, so if every and if every conversation is an opportunity to point people towards Jesus, even in mundane ways, then right. yeah, I think that it could be quite daunting. Yes, I, I, I absolutely identify with that. And I, and I suppose it's worth reminding ourselves that um, if God were not as big as he is, that would be a pretty big risk to take. To say, here's my plan. I'm going to hand it over to all of you. It's up to you to grow each other to become like Jesus. Um, it's only because he is such a powerful redeemer. There's a, there's a wonderful book title, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. People in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change. It's a brilliant book. But he is a brilliant enough redeemer. He can use even you, even me, even us as instruments in his hands. Um, yeah, thank you for that observation. Any other, any other feedback from the tables? What was the discussion like on your table? How do you feel about it? One here, thank you. I, I think it's a privilege, personally, yeah. and I find it quite exciting yeah. that a mere person like me can affect somebody's life yes. and, and help them feel better or lead them, you know, nearer to Christ. Yes. I think it's amazing. Yes. You, a person like you, a person like me, yeah. can change someone's eternity in the providence of God. We play a part. They, yeah, we play a part. Yeah. That's right. We yeah. play a part, thankfully. But, but it's a part that lasts forever. Mm because the likeness of Jesus in us. We're being transformed, aren't we? From one degree of glory into another to become more and more like Jesus, and that becomes finished on the day we enter the new creation with the Lord Jesus. And, um, and, and part of the work that God did through us will be on display for eternity. Um, that's a glorious conversation to engage in. For myself, you know, if I can keep this in my mind as I go to my own church small group, as I say, I love not being a pastor at the moment. I, I get to go to a small group myself. I, am, I, I notice the impact that other people have on me. I, I thank God for Jeremy, who's been battling with cancer all these years. I thank God for Ginny, who is, um, who, whose ankles are really weak and it really affects her. And um, you know, to hear them pray and thank God for things, um, uh, even when they're not speaking directly to me, the, the words that they say as we meet as a, as a group, they, they sustain my Christian faith in a wonderful way. Um, and I'm aware, too, of the impact that my words can have on others. Because... Um, I'm remembering that we're not just meeting to chat, and we're not actually just meeting to do Bible study. This is a heretical thing, isn't it? But actually, it's a wonderful thing. We're not just meeting to get to know the Bible better. We're meeting to grow up in Christ together through the conversations we have about the Bible as God speaks to us through it and gives us words to use with each other. And as we're people that we know better and better, um, we suddenly see richer and richer connections about what we're studying and the people that we know. And after the break, we'll come back and have a little bit of a practice uh, using words that uh, make us more like Christ. That's quite a promise, isn't it? So enjoy your tea and coffee.
Okay, well, let's, uh, let's come back together. I was reflecting with Tom. I could have set that up better, couldn't I, since we've just had some, some time in conversation. If we'd done a bit of practice before the conversation. Anyway, anyway, here we are. Um, uh, we've been thinking about the uh, amazing possibility, uh, indeed, the amazing uh, guarantee that God uses words of encouragement from our mouths to our Christian brothers and sisters in the family of the church to keep us going, to uh, strengthen us in the battle against sin, to make us more like Jesus. And that's extraordinary. It's wonderful. Um, and um, it's kind of hard to get your, hard to get your mind around. Um, I would love us to have a little go at practicing. And so we're going to try an exercise um, which... I've not tried before in this in this kind of way, so um, let's see if it let's see if it works. Um, there's we're not going to do quite well. You know when Jesus said, um, "Why do you see um, uh, the uh, the speck of dust in your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own eye? You've got to take the plank out of your own eye first. And in other words, um, before we start commenting on the sins we see in our brothers and sisters in our small groups or around the, the table, um, we are to be always much more exercised about our own sin. So um, that's, that's going to shape the way we do this exercise. It's going to be not so much about um, find, find a sin in your neighbor that you can rebuke. Um, it's going to be a little bit more sort of personal than that. Um, and what I want us to try doing is um, to, um, to, to see if we can think of an area of life that we've been finding hard um, over the last little while. Perhaps a burden that we've been carrying. You know, um, in Galatians it says, carry one another's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, it's hard to carry a burden if you don't know what it is, so let, let's see if we can think of something we find hard. No, you don't. The goal here is not to expose something which you find very difficult to talk about with a person you happen to be sitting next to tonight. Please don't think you have to find the biggest possible burden you can now to share, but just something that's been hard. Um, uh, here are a couple of examples. Um, home life has been a bit more challenging recently, um, and I'm not sleeping. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the heat, but I'm, I'm really feeling pretty exhausted. Um, or I'm supposed to be remortgaging next month, and I feel so confused by what's happening. Uh, or I'm feeling really quite spiritually dry, and it seems, really, it seems especially hard to pray right now. Something like that. Something run-of-the-mill kind of thing that, that any of us might be experiencing at various points of our life. Can you find something... Um, it, it might be a thought that my example's put in your mind or something completely different... And then I, I, I want to see if you can um, think together about a scripture that relates to that area. Now, it's been a bit ridiculous, isn't it? I've chosen half a dozen verses and said, for example. I mean, there are so many examples in scripture. And who knows if any of these will relate re directly at all to anything that you're saying. But I've tried to pick ones that um, perhaps can feel a little bit general, might be applicable to all kinds of things, just in case um, it helps to have a little bit of an idea of the kind of thing I mean. And you can pick one of these if you want to, or you can pick another one um, that, that makes some um, connection. See, um, see if you can pick an area of your life and a, and a scripture that some, relates in some way to that area. Um, and as I begin trying to describe this exercise, I, I think some of us are going to find this probably quite easy. Maybe it's the kind of thing we've been used to doing in one way or another. Um, I don't know if this mentioning this stereotype is helpful, but I think um, sometimes um, uh, uh, some well, uh, let's just say some people find this kind of thing easier than others, and um, that's okay because one of the things we can help each other with, if it's not um, if it's nothing else, is we can help get a little bit more like Jesus and our ability to use words with each other. So we, that might be the way in which we become a bit more like him tonight um, and over the coming days as uh, God continues his work in us. Um, so, um, 
you don't need to feel very confident. You don't need to feel you know exactly what this exercise is supposed to achieve. God's word says this is the kind of way that we will help each other. And so that's a great thing to start doing. And um, it doesn't all have to happen tonight. You know, it's not like um, uh, the result of this conversation must be that everybody stands up looking at each other with, with, uh, you know, with glowing eyes saying, I feel so much better, thank you so much. Um, uh, we're just practicing this kind of ordinary level skill that um, over time is the kind of thing that God uses really to make a difference. Um, so what I'd love you to do is, uh, and if it suits you on your tables, to, to do some thinking on your own for a bit before you start talking. That's, that's absolutely fine. I imagine some will want to start talking quite quickly, others might want to think, think for a bit. So just see, have a sort of check with each other on your tables whether you'd like a, a few minutes to think and we start in a moment. But an area of your life and then a scripture that connects. So, for example, home life has been incredibly challenging and I'm not sleeping. Um, you might... Uh, See, see that there is something precious in that Matthew 11 quote, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Um, and the connection might not be um, thank you that I don't have to feel weary. The connection might be I am weary. Um, uh, I want to come to Jesus with my weariness. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that Jesus has reminded me that I can. Uh, there's something precious in there that connects with my situation. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really dry and prayer seems impossible right now. Um, you, you, might, you might look at Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Uh, I don't know how to pray right now. Could you pray that Jesus would teach me to pray? Um, so it's not... It's not a technically demanding thing. Um, we're not going to score you or rate you for the quality of the connection you manage to find. The idea is to just think about some area of your life and think about a scripture that makes some connection uh, with your life and to discuss those things together on the table. Um, if you get stuck, feel free to put a hand up. I will come and try and help, except if you're on Zoom, but that's okay because um, there are people there, I'm sure, that will be able to help you. Um, and um, see how you go. I'm gonna, I am going to see how it goes, but um, it, it, this, we might give this sort of 10 minutes, something like that. See how it goes in conversation. And again, if you want to do it as a whole table, great. If you want to split it to pairs, if that works better, um, you can sort that out for yourselves. Okay? Uh, Finish scripture and try and talk about that together. Well, this, this feels like a real shame, but I'm going to break into your conversation. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to try a slightly different kind of conversation. So the one we've just been having, I mean, it could have gone in all kinds of directions. It's, it's wonderful the way that happens with conversations. But the, the kinds of examples I invited you to think about in that conversation were about um, hard things that are coming at you from the outside. You might say that, it's the sin or the brokenness or the, or the unfairness or the, the hardship of, of this world, the, the groaning that we experience trying to live in this um, hard, sometimes, place. Um, but I want to give us an opportunity as well to think about well, what about um, the sin, the brokenness that comes out of us? Um, and so if you can... Uh, include examples of the following kind as your, as your conversation goes on. Because all of us have ways in which we're not yet completely humble and gentle, don't we? You know, when Paul says, as I read from Ephesians chapter 4, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. None of us is thinking, yep, done that. What's the next one? <laughs> and if you were thinking that, well, maybe you weren't entirely honest with your reaction to being on a train <laughs> and being late and having somebody slow in front of you. Um, so can you think of an area of your life where you're not yet completely humble and gentle? I can. I can think of many <laughs> areas in my own life. Um, for example, um, I snapped a bit at the person at the, at the cash desk 
my kids, so-and-so today. Not badly, but I'm not proud of what I did as I think back over today. Or, for example, it occurred to me the other day that I could be kinder in my attitude to an older member of my small group at church. Maybe God put that on my heart. Or, for example, I just feel like a rubbish Christian at the moment. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm drifting backwards and I'm, I'm thinking about myself instead of other people all the time. Or, or something like that. And then see if you can attach a scripture to it. Um, for example, um, by the way, I, I, I borrowed this exercise from this excellent book. I meant to mention Side by Side by Ed Welch. It's a wonderful book. If you, if you like the way we're beginning to think and you want to think more deeply uh, about it, this would be a wonderful book uh, to do yourself or in small groups. Perhaps you've already done it, I don't know. But um, it's an excellent book. We may call the students at Oak Hill read it. Um, not because it's a difficult technical book, but because it's a brilliant book. Um, and we want them to take it away with them, have their own copy, and then use it um, in, in, in ministries side by side. Beautiful picture, side by side. That's what we are. And so we're going to be side by side talking about this. So, for example, um, I'm just a rubbish Christian. Uh, I'm, I'm getting everything wrong, and I'm thinking about myself all the time. Um, you might want to think about um, the scripture just above where we read just now in Ephesians chapter 4. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wouldn't it be great if I could remember that Jesus still loves me, even though I'm feeling like a rubbish Christian? Or I snapped at my kids today. I'm not proud of it. Let us hold firmly to the hope we profess. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. That's a brilliant thing to pray about. Hebrews reminds us, when we, re- when we realize we need help, we can always ask for it because of Jesus, and so on. Um, so just an, an invitation there to change gears slightly. Not so much what's, what's hard about life out there, but what's hard about my heart, what's not brilliant yet. Um, and to share that with each other. And if you can, think of a scripture that makes some connection with that. Again, no one's going to mark how brilliant the connection is. Um, you can use some of the scriptures there. You can use Ephesians 4. You can use just live a life worthy of the calling you've received. What a wonderful thing to pray. Um, and um, just, just spend a few minutes um, trying the conversation from that angle. Um, what, about, what about you inside? What about you as you react towards other people? So um, a, a few minutes then doing that, and then I'll, I'll ask us to reflect uh, on this and draw some conclusions before we, uh, before we take questions. But uh, a few more minutes having that conversation now. Well, I wonder if I can uh, interrupt your conversation uh, one more time. I've no idea. Um, none of you put your hand up um, to, and to invite me to, uh, to you know, help you because you got completely stuck. Um, how wonderful. I have no idea what was happening. You may have been talking about something completely different. But the chances are um, that you were beginning to uh, have conversations with each other that... Um, uh, could have been about anything. Um, that they may well have been about stuff that was going on in your heart that you wouldn't otherwise have been sharing with each other. They may well have been things that are going on in your life that um, it, was, it was just God's intention that you had someone to talk to about that tonight and you've already received some, some help about that. It may be that you just feel this is still really unfamiliar and feels really clunky and it felt really artificial having to do this around the table with people you don't know very well. Um, but um, however it felt for you... I love you just to share with each other how it felt to talk about these things and where could you try this again? Uh, it may be that the answer to that question is that this already happens in dot, 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 this part of my life or in this relationship or in this group or something like that. It may be that as you reflect on um, the way that um, your conversation tends to run in patterns 
that there is something a little bit new and unfamiliar about tonight. Uh, how, could you, how could you try again to be on that slightly less familiar territory? Um, but just chat for a bit, how does it feel to talk about these things tonight? Where could you try this again? Just a couple of minutes on that, and then we'll, we'll draw things back together. Let me, uh, let me interrupt your conversation just um, possibly, possibly one last time. Uh, we're coming up to, to Q&A, um, so uh, it may well be the things you want to, you want to ask about. Let me just um, say a, a couple of things in observation um, before, before we do that. Um, the reason why uh, we've shaped the conversations this way is talk about things in your own life. Um, you, you remember that came from the parable of the speck and the plank. Um, it is, it is possible to be wonderfully used in the, by talking about what's going on in someone else's life. But the very best way to have a good conversation of that kind is if the person you're speaking to, before, before they are being asked to acknowledge that they need you, they can see that you know you need them. Does that make sense? Before you're asking them to behave as if they need you and, and you're coming now in to help their life, which God certainly says you can do by your words, it's wonderful if they know that you know that you need them. Okay? Um, sometimes, sometimes I would even say in conversation, look, we're having a conversation this way around, it'll be the other way around tomorrow. I'll be coming to you for help. Um, but, um, so good, good to find ways of communicating that if you're not in a relationship where that's already obvious because that's just, that's just the way it goes. We need each other. Um, It's fascinating, isn't it, that um, in the world of mental health, um, there was recently a, a campaign, um, particularly, I think, to blokes, to be willing to ask a question twice. How are you doing? How are you really doing? To be someone who is willing to find out what's really going on and does just won't necessarily, doesn't only want the superficial answer, um, is, a, is a brilliant thing to offer to somebody. It, it, it saves people from mental illness and from the consequences of mental illness by being a friend who says, I'm willing to know how you're really doing. Um, that's a great piece of worldly wisdom to bring into our Christian conversations. When we say, how are you doing? We could say, how are you really doing? And I'm willing to hear um, if you want to share. It's an invitation. Um, what are you finding hard at the moment? Um, what's going on in your heart at the moment that we could pray about together? How, how are you really doing? Um, and it's not up to you um, to um, make certain um, that you can be 100% sure that the, the, the scriptural connections you're making um, are always absolutely the very best they could be. It can be paralyzing to say, I can't say anything because I can't think of the best verse on this. Um, there are a lot of verses in the Bible, and it may well be that you haven't read the best one for many years. Um, but in God's providence, he is equipping his people for the work he wants them to do. And it is quite likely that in something that you heard recently on Sunday, through the ministry of those that God gives to the church to equip you for this ministry, or, or um, that you heard someone in your small group um, just talking about something, or in your own reading of the Bible, it is quite likely that there is something that God gave you in that, knowing that you're going to have this conversation. So, so look Look close for things that God has put on your heart. And if you, get, if, you, if you get one wrong, you start talking, you think, oh, I actually have no idea what the connection is here, and they can't see it. Oh, that doesn't matter. Um, they can see that you care for them because you're trying to um, have, have meaningful conversations with them. And, uh, you know, I take it the fact that we will often get this kind of thing wrong is why immediately after it, it says, be completely humble and gentle, it then goes on to say, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Because in our efforts to grow in humility and gentleness, we'll get it wrong so many times, we are going to have the opportunity to grow in patience and to grow in that ability to bear with one another in love. Um, I, I hope you've found some place that you can uh, try this again. Um, it's one of the great things about church is that uh, it, it's set up by the Lord so as to create places where we can talk. And the next time you have tea and coffee, um, maybe you can ask 
how you doing? How are you, how are you really doing? Or you can begin sharing with someone who you, you, you think is willing to hear um, what's really going on for you. Um, I'm going to hand over to Tom, and we're going to have a Q&A. There we go. Thanks again so much for that, Andrew. Uh, really helpful as we thought that through. Let's go through some of the questions that you've put on uh, Pigeonhole as we think a little bit more. Um, two questions, let me read them to you. Andrew, thank you, a third thank you in the question. Um, can you give a quick word on how to get this started without feeling too clunky? Advice on how these chats can lead to praying together too, please. Yeah, so um, I think the first thing to say is don't worry about it feeling clunky. Um, it will feel clunkier to you than it does to the person you're trying to talk to, because that's just the way it goes. And um, until you've had a bit of practice, any, I mean, it, it feels clunky doing anything for the first few times, doesn't it? Um, uh, I think if, you're, if your intention is to do good and, and you love somebody else, and you, know, you, can, you can pray for God's help in this area. You could even say to one of your other friends, you know... Um, uh, I'd, I'd really like to get better at this conversation and pray. pray could you pray for me? Um, I feel clunky doing it. I don't want to be put off. I want to get better at it. Well, if you pour that request out to the Lord, um, there is every likelihood he will begin to answer it because that's what he longs to see us doing. So, um, so asking him for help and depending on him. And the, the willingness to pray about it is part of what makes you the humble person that is a really brilliant person to talk to. Do you see what I mean? So your relationship with the Lord, walking humbly before him and knowing that you need him to be changing you in your life, makes you exactly the kind of person that is brilliant to have a conversation with about anything. Because you're not the expert. You're not the person who has all the answers. He is. And you're his instrument, which is a totally different feel. Um, and then the thing about praying. I mean, Scripture moves us in all kinds of ways when we turn to it. Sometimes it, 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 it gives us a word of reassurance. Sometimes it just... Um, it, it, Gives, it brings us up short and says, wow, this actually is even more important than I realized. <laughs> um, I've received a calling here, uh, which I'd forgotten. And that's one reason I found it so easy to be angry with my kids, because I didn't think I had anything to do with my calling. But actually, Jesus in my life means I need to work at gentleness and humility. So sometimes scripture brings us up a bit short. Um, sometimes scripture just writes some things on our prayer list. and just says, here's something God's willing to give you. Ask him for it. Or here's something God says is important. Um, uh, own that value and ask him, ask him to help you with it. So um, I think um, praying, praying is so, um, so much easier to do for someone as part of the conversations we're just, we're just trying to have because you're discovering all kinds of things about people that just we need to bring to the Lord. He's the one who's the helper. Does that some help? That's really helpful. There's another question talk about how do we do it when we don't feel wise enough, don't have the right words to say, which I think ties in, unless you want to... Yeah, that, that, that's, that's exactly the kind of person who needs to be starting to have these kinds of conversations, because um, uh, you can even say, if you, feel, if you really feel... Look, I, I don't feel very wise, I don't, I don't know, I've got any words to say, but I'd love to hear what's going on. Um, and maybe, we, maybe even we can just ask for God's help um, to think about it together. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe after you've shared something, I can, I can go away and think about it. Um, um, but because this is what God um, wants to be happening among his people, you can expect to have his help. And maybe you won't find it as hard as you think. It's almost the vulnerability and just being prepared to do it yeah. is what God wants from us, That's rather than yeah. not thinking, I cannot do this until I've had sufficient training, know my Bible well enough, and then I can at least start to think about doing it. Absolutely. I mean, Satan would love to persuade you that you are not yet quite at the stage where you could begin doing this at all. And um, actually, God's word says, if you belong to him, you're in the body, and the body grows by exactly this kind of thing happening, including with you. Great. Quick question off the back of something you said, that surely the, the they need you and the you need them approach is good. Shouldn't we start with both needing Christ? Yes. And um, so thank you for drawing attention to that. That is absolutely right. Um, the conversation will start to go off if it doesn't in some way revolve around that central reality that we both need Christ. Um, um, it is quite right 
that we need to keep reminding each other of that explicitly and not just take it as read. So thank you for reminding us in the question. Question about bringing God's word into conversations. How can we take it to God's word without coming across almost artificially holy, aka Bible bashing? Well, yeah. Um, so it can come across like that um, merely by accident, and that's when we need to bear with one another and say, oh, I'm sorry, I think that probably sounded terrible. Um, and then, yeah, maybe it did a bit, but that's fine. Um, thanks for giving me an opportunity to grow in patience. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, if, if we can... Uh, basically, I gave you permission, the way this, I set this up tonight, to be not very good at this. Um, and we just need to do that for each other all the time. None of us is... None of us is experts, but because God's spirit is with us and, you know, we, we're just putting into practice what it says here and saying, well, this is what he wants us to do. Let's have a go and let's expect, let's expect his help. Um, so have a go, be willing to make mistakes and, to, and, and, and then the, the saying, I think I've got this so wrong, can sometimes open up the direction in a whole new, a whole new thing. And another great thing to do is when you, when you are not sure that you know the answer to the question... Um, ask, um, what have you already thought about this? Um, how have you already been thinking about God, if at all? You know, what, what, where have your thoughts been going? What do you think this is about? What do you think God is up to? You know, see what wisdom they've already got. So instead of feeling that you have to jump in by sentence four, it needs to be something profound from you, um, just ask a question and see where the Lord is already leading them, and then see what you think of that and talk about that together. Great, thank you. The final question feels like a whole new quick session. Um, is it helpful to use scripture when talking to people who do not know Jesus Christ? Um, give us a sentence, because or come back next month, maybe, and help us think about that. So that is a... No, thank you. But there is a brilliant... Um, that's, a, that's an absolutely brilliant question, um, because God's word is the thing that opens people's hearts and minds. I think, I think the way I would link that question in with tonight is that the more able we are to speak about what's really going on in our lives... Um, the deeper kind of conversation we will have with people, whether or not they're Christian. And the, the, the more we will grow in our understanding of how God meets us in these areas and in, in how wonderful it is to be a Christian because God meets us in our weakness and he meets us in our problems and he meets us in our great sense of failing and he lifts us up. And the more we practice um, making these connections with each other, um, it may well be that we're talking to a non-Christian who, who says they really snapped at their kids. Um, and that was a conversation you were having with your Christian friend in the, in the Bible study group. And what you did with that was pray about it. And you say, oh, now I do exactly the same. And the only thing I've, I've been doing is praying about it. I'm very happy to pray for you if you like. Um, and uh, so thinking and talking in this kind of way gives you all kinds of other connections to make with people that we long to know Jesus because we're living the same lives they are in relationship with him. And we'd love them to have something of like that. Great. Thank you so much for that Andrew really helpful please do um, grab Andrew if you have anything off the back not for too long he needs to get back to North London at some point this evening around the M25 um, why don't we turn in our groups and pray now with one another off the, thing, off the back of the things that we've um, discussed and heard and want to take forward into our relationships and conversations with one another let's turn and let's spend a few moments praying with one another Let me pray for us as we stand. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in him, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Father God, thank you that in your great wisdom you have chosen to use your church to make known your brilliance to a watching world. And so, Lord, you want to use your church, every single individual across the world, and here in this local church of St. Mary's in Basingstoke, to support one another, to speak the truth in love to one another, so that we might grow to be more like Jesus Christ every single day. 
Father, please equip us for that. Help us to be vulnerable as we look to do that. Help us to be prayerful, dependent on you. Help us to have a love for one another that we may want to speak truth in love to one another. And so, Lord, please work through us for the good of your church and your kingdom here in Basingstoke and across this land. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, that brings us to the end of our evening this evening. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Please do take your handouts. Please do continue to think these things through. And let's continue to speak the truth in love to one another. Good evening.